Hello, I'm your host for the day, Clacia Tweed, uh, and I'm accompanied by William Rayner. Hello. And Malika Datatreya. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Hobbs and Shaw. Woo! Uh, Fast and the Furious spinoff movie starring The Rock and Jason Statham as the titular Hobbs and Shaw. For those of you that don't know, the Fast and the Furious movies, um, the, the Rock and Jason Statham's characters were previously antagonists that kind of got accepted into the family and earned their own spinoff somehow, which uh, angered Tyrese for some reason. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, so this movie is exactly what you would think. Uh, it's action. It's over the top. It's great set pieces. It's everything you want out of a yeah summer popcorn <laughs> flick. So I think that's it. Let's just dive right in, I think. Yeah? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. So uh, for the record, I think I'm the most scholarly about the Fast and the Furious um, Which one is this? filmography, if nine, you will. Nine, ten? I've lost track. Um, I think it's nine. It's easier. Yeah, I think it's technically nine. It's easier with the Fast and the Furious because they number everything. And Fate of the Furious do was they number the most all recent. Them? They do. Well, except for There's a couple. Fast and Furious. Let's Tokyo not get into Drift. Let's not get into too that. Fast, it's too so Our resident um, Fast and the Furious scholar may not be as educated on this as we wanted. All right, whatever. <laughs> so we saw this movie. We, this is a film that we all saw. This is a movie that the Rock. So I follow the Rock on Instagram, and he has been plugging this movie for what feels like a year. And I have been so so excited to see this movie. And I have to say, it was all that I wanted and more. Yeah, I, we wake up in the morning in our Instagram group text, and we have about six messages from Malika. At minimum. And, and I'm not sure if I'm more surprised that she sends six messages or that The Rock has six new posts for her to send. Us. Every day. He has been pushing this film hard. I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's also a producer on yep. the film. I believe Jason Satham is as well. Yes. But what's crazy is that there have been so many trailers for this film. And we three were convinced that we've seen the whole movie from all these little bits of trailer that we've put together. And yet there were so many scenes, so many things that came up that we just were not expecting. So it was, as I said, it was all that I wanted and more. Let's do a quick plot recap. Yeah. So the start of the film, you get a little taste of... Um, Shaw's uh, soon to be um, kind of called out uh, his sister Jason Statham's character's sister is getting um, uh, uh, kind of what is a heist yeah so she's uh, MI6 I believe um, staging a a heist of some sort against some bad guys and then gets um, you know gets basically blamed for her team being killed and really it's Idris Elba's fault and then you kind of cut to split screen of The Rock and Jason Satham um, both starting their day and going about a, a job um, together. And it's just right from the get-go, the tone is pitch perfect. So they both get recruited separately for a, a job that they don't really get that much information about, ends up with them both being in London. Turns out Jason Satham's sister is on the run um, because everyone thinks that she stole the item that she was supposed to recover. So, of course, uh, Hobbs and Shaw, who hate each other, now have to work together to find the sister, figure out what's going on, and eventually save the world. So it takes them from across London, where they run into Idris Elba's character, Brixton, who is a basically a super-enhanced cyborg s type uh, villain. 
I'm the Black Superman. Exactly. He's Black Superman. And so they fight him a few times. You kind of learn about the plot. There's some shady cabal um, that's using science and technology to create a super virus that will... Um, uh, We're not quite sure what yeah, the super virus is. Yeah, not quite sure. It's supposed Rid to... the world of the weaker yeah. humans. Somehow it's set out... How are they defining that? Unclear? It's literally just like a random genetic virus so that for some reason they designed to set off after 72 hours of being within a human body why is there a timer on the Hmm. virus just let the virus go (laughs) off immediately they couldn't just pump it into the air and the water systems or anything yeah so that kind of in the ocean yeah and that just sets the stage so that means we got 72 hours of you know car chasing buildings exploding gun toting all the fun stuff that happens in the film where they travel across uh moscow to the secret base of the evil organization Etienne, um, you know, they somehow manage to escape and they bring everyone to Samoa um, or <laughs> for the uneducated among you, that's Samoa, where they stage... Like the cookie? Yeah, exactly. Where they oh, no. stage a final set piece that right. somehow nullifies the use of guns and that leads to a just wonderful piece of filmmaking that we'll talk a little bit more about. Right. Um, and so obviously the good guys come out in the end, uh, the bad guy gets deprogrammed. So that's kind of lackluster. Um, and that's how they save the day. That's, they save the world yet again. And, you know, set up a, a new franchise. Exactly. Because <laughs> you know the there's going to be more of these to come for sure. Oh, That absolutely. worries me. Is this going to be a whole new Fast and Furious yes. franchise? I believe it will, yes, honestly. I think this, so. So as of this week, I believe, the movie just opened in China about a week ago. Where it made at least 150 million just yeah, in China, so now their box office total is well over 600 million, and the film had a 200 million budget, I believe. So oh, yeah. it's made back its money in budget and probably marketing right. like twice over. So I think we're going to see more of these films. I mean, they've made sequels Yay. to movies that didn't do nearly as well, so I can imagine Hollywood's going to want to capitalize on this. Yeah, sure. and it and it's interesting too. So we talk about you know the relation to the Fast and the Furious movies. And those movies have for sure just escalated in tone and absurdity over the top of the set pieces with each passing film. And for anyone that's seen the first Fast and the Furious movie, it is a film about an undercover cop trying to get Los Angeles street racers to stop stealing combination TV DVD players. So the fact fact that we went from that to, I believe, in the last film – they there were drones that controlled every computer powered car in Manhattan and essentially created yeah um so Dang, I got to check out the most honestly, recent fast and furious movie I've been yeah. missing so much in my life I didn't know if you haven't seen any of the new fast and furious movies what are you doing just yeah. stop literally pause this right now and just go watch yeah well we got to got to go do more research 7 8 uh, yeah, there, and there's also going to be more. So they for sure know there are going to be 10 of these uh, Fast and Furious movies. So it, it begs the question. So nice ha- round number. Yeah. What does that mean for Hobbs and Shaw's spinoff? There's for sure going to be at least a sequel. Um, but the tone is just escalated in terms of absurdity. So it, really the only place left for them to go is to space. That's it, Or the center of the Earth, I want to say. Those well, are the, the Rock two. has already journeyed to the center of the Earth. That's true. He does have that experience, so maybe so. that's the next destination. <laughs> yeah, next Hobbs and Jaw. Um, actually, that brings me to a point. What's really interesting about this movie is that there is this rich tapestry of all these characters in the Fast and Furious world, and they introduce us to Hobbs and Shaw, who have appeared in previous films, but they kick off this movie with all of these relationships that happen off screen. That's so, true. 
we, I mean, we know some of the history between Hobbes and Shaw themselves, a little bit why they hate each other, and, and Clay, you could add more color since you've seen all these movies, but the relationship with Shaw and his sister, we're not really sure why they're fighting. Their relationship with Shaw and Brixton, we're not really sure when they met and what their relationship is, and it just, it, it's weird to me that they didn't want to bring that into this film, but then again, that's not the point of this movie. It's not supposed to be necessarily realistic it's about the big crash scenes and you know the well, fun I, fighting and i think that gets into what clacy was talking about with the sequels like they're clearly setting up sequels there was clearly something there with brixton and which one is it shaw hobbs which, deckert uh statham? the rock shaw is, is statham. Hobbs. Hobbs okay. is correct is the rock i feel yeah. like i should know this but it's it one of the confusing. it's kind of it's the kind of film where you watch it and then you immediately forget everything you just saw. So don't worry about right. it. So Deckard shot. <laughs> you remember how you feel? Uh, oh, the emotion will live with me always. Aghast. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Will watched this whole film <laughs> with his hands over his eyes. I think you're right. So. But they were clearly setting up some sort of sequel. That's going to expand upon Brixton and Shaw and their relationship, and perhaps the brother that Shaw lost. He mentions he had to kill one of his brothers because Brixton. They don't really clarify yeah. what that means. But no, I thought they said that Brixton was the brother, even though he had a brother. I believe. Okay, so the fact that none of us can remember is amazing. But I think the connection was that Jason Statham felt Brixton was like a brother. Right. Meanwhile, he does have an actual brother that appears in the Fast and the Furious Luke franchise. Evans. Yeah. So did he uh, kill him in those movies? He did not. Um, so basically what happened was that Luke Evans played Owen Shaw, younger brother to Deckard. And he was a villain in the sixth film that the crew took out. And that is what introduced Jason Statham because he was exacting revenge on the Fast and the Furious crew in the seventh film because they Got almost it. killed his brother. So that's that's the connection. And and to Malika's earlier point, they never even mentioned that either of them have a sister, so it's a little weird that we just get introduced to the sister the first thing in the film and we have no idea who she is. And this family, the Shaw family, has been in several of the Fast and the Furious movies. So at what point are we cement are they just gonna be start pulling out siblings like those you know, those those scarves, you know, that you just keep pulling out like a circus act? Well like, what? They expanded upon the relationship through weird like backstory yeah, and flashbacks, yeah. which were first of all set to a weird like black exploitation seventies soundtrack. Like, yeah. bang, bang, are we bang, meant bang. to believe that the time period in which these two grew up? Mind you, the actress Vanessa Kirby, who plays Shaw's sister, is about twenty to twenty-one years younger than Jason Statham. We are meant to believe that they grew up as children together in what looked to be the seventies of England pulling little scams and heists, and that's how they bonded. And I, where what? was Luke Sh Luke Shaw? Yes. Where's the older brother? Where is the other or Shaw the brother? Other, no, he was the middle brother, right? I believe so, yes. <laughs> I think they probably forgot about him when they were making this movie. And the Clay's one, is the only one who remembers Luke I, Shaw. I, I think I might be gaslighting myself. Like, <laughs> did I see the movie? Was Luke Evans in it? Who knows? And the wonderful Helen Mirren is in this movie, and she talks about Hattie Shaw and Deckard Shaw. By the way, none of us could remember until just now when we looked it up what Vanessa Kirby's name was in the movie. Hattie Shaw. I'm because so, we're pretty sure they didn't mention it. I, I'm a thousand percent sure. I will bet someone some amount of money that... This woman had no first name. <laughs> we think that the internet might be wrong in this very <laughs> this first case ever because 
Hattie does not, I don't remember that name at all. It's such Nelson, a memorable, terrible name. Yeah, also. it doesn't even suit her. I mean, she was great. Vanessa Kirby kicked butt. She was the awesome. The best part of this movie, hands down. Absolutely. Actually, I thought The Rock's Daughter was pretty yeah. great. The, the actress who played Rock's Daughter was on point. Yeah. But back to Helen Mirren, who's amazing. She talks about family and wanting to see her kids together, but she never mentions her other son yeah. who died. Yes. Very bizarre. You would think, especially, there's a little bit of an emotional scene at the beginning where um, uh, Deckard Shaw's visiting his mom in prison because Helen Mirren's in prison. Guys, just FYI. Looks great in the jumpsuit. Honestly, the best prison I've ever seen. Um, So he's visiting his mother, and she's she's kind of reminiscing, and she is specifically talking about family, and she mentions the sister. It's extremely weird that she doesn't mention not a single mention of the other son that died. It's very strange. But honestly, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about the tone of this movie. It felt like it was trying to be a buddy cop movie. It felt like it was trying to be a super duper action movie. It felt like it was trying to be a little too deep for what this needed to be. It was a little all over the place. It was all over the place. The script um, oh, was... Oh, the script. Strapping, I can't wait to start talking about this. Oh, gosh. It was definitely a first draft. I don't even think it was a first draft. My speculation is this was a spec script, the kind of <laughs> the kind of script you bring to a studio to say, hey, how about this film? And then never made it past that Whoever point. wrote it was like, yeah, I threw in a couple one-liners in there. You can, you know, shave those down if you feel like it. But they just decided, nah, you know what? We're going to put them all in there. Or the actors just ad-libbed and there was no script. Maybe there were text messages. There's a lot of, you know, <laughs> theories here. But it was just like one-liner after one-liner. And not even clever one-liners. No. Okay. Like, my issue with the movie Deadpool, and this is a, another story for another time, is that it felt like a bunch of one-liners strung together. But those were at least funny. These were just like cliche, 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 cliche. The scene when they are on the airplane and it's... Uh, the Rock sitting next to Jason Statham. I can't get their names straight, so I'm not going to attempt to. But they're sitting next to each other on the plane, and they're just kind of chirping at each other. And they're like, I'm a big mountain, and I'm going to let your sister climb this mountain. And then Jason Statham's like, I'm a bulldog with big bowls that's hanging off the back of the bulldog. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, it felt like <laughs> listening to Eminem out of his prime. It was bad. And that scene was oddly long. So long. They were just going back and forth talking about having sex with your sister and something like that for 10 minutes. While she's sitting right next to them. Asleep, but sitting right there. And actually, that brings us to our ne- our second big cameo, yeah. so which that, was Kevin Hart. Yeah, so that scene is is not, it doesn't end, but it's interrupted by Kevin Hart uh, introducing himself as the air marshal on the plane because... Obviously, The Rock and Jason Statham are talking incredibly loud for such close quarters. Anyone can probably overhear them. Kevin Hart overhears them. And instead of thinking, what is wrong with these people? Again, also, at this point in the story, these two are the most wanted men in the world? They like, just by killed their own admission. hundreds of people. By their own admission, they are the most wanted men in the world by all intelligence agencies. And somehow Kevin Hart does not recognize them as a air marshal who is a law enforcement officer. And then officers offer, offers his services to help them because he wants to be a part of their crew. I don't know what they were talking about that would make Kevin Hart think, these are the guys that I want to hang out with. Because they were talking about nonsense. And when we were talking about there was no real script to this movie, this is the prime example. Yeah. This was definitely Kevin Hart texted The Rock and said, hey, buddy, I would really like to be in a Fast and Furious movie. What can we do? And The Rock was like, you know what? We're on a plane once scene. We'll just throw you on. You're an air marshal. Maybe get us some tickets to Samoa. 
That's right. And that wasn't even the worst cameo of the film because earlier in the film, it's Ryan Reynolds who is seemingly playing a handler at the agency, at the CIA, I believe, um, who recruits The Rock's character into this mission in the first place. And his introduction just makes it seem like he just got copy and pasted out of the Deadpool Deadpool sequel. It's like, where did you come from? It, It made no sense. I mean, some of it was funny, I will say, but it just felt Again, tonal whiplash with what the film oh, was yeah. trying to achieve, I think. He came in at a 10. He was just like oh spitting God, fire yes. and you're like, where is this coming from? It just, it felt, it took me out of the film. It felt like he forgot his Deadpool costume. Yes. Right, exactly. He was just wearing a schlubby suit instead of his Deadpool costume. When we started taping this podcast, I did not think we would mention Deadpool so many times. So there were some weird cameos in this movie, Ryan Reynolds, Kevin Hart. However, hands down, the weirdest cameo of this movie was Game of Thrones. For whatever reason, Ryan Reynolds' character and The Rock and The Rock's daughter all talked about Game of Thrones, like pretty explicitly, not an offhand reference of, you know, uh, the pack alone dies together, survives, or the North remembers, or any of those one-liners. It was a whole conversation about season eight of Game of Thrones. It was just so weird. It felt, honestly, I feel like it was tacked on. Like, I feel like they were filming this movie, they saw... Uh, the season finale or series finale of Game of Thrones, and they're like, we got to talk about this. And, and, and no one was on hand to be like, guys, why? Why? And actually, there were two after credit scenes, and the first one, Ryan Reynolds talks about Game of Thrones again. So it was, it was, it was literally tacked on, and I'm not understanding why. Yeah. And listen, I understand the need to talk about the last season of Game of Thrones. I've probably spent mm, 30 hours of my life talking about that last season, but... It just didn't, saying it didn't fit in this movie is an understatement. It was completely out of left field. The only reason for one of the after credit scenes was so Ryan Reynolds could talk about Game of Thrones. It was like J.B. Smoove in Spider-Man. It Far was like J.B. Smoove in Spider-Man Far From Home. What are you doing in this movie? I mean, I think ultimately it's like, we know that this is because it's a rock vanity film. Like, very clearly, like, obviously, like, I think Will was saying, he, Kevin Hart called up his buddy The Rock and said, hey, can I be in your movie? Uh, I'm sure Ryan Reynolds knows The Rock somehow. Everyone in Hollywood seems to know each other. Uh, so it definitely felt like The Rock just saying, I want a Fast and Furious movie. I want my chance at starting a franchise that's got legs, and this was the best way to do it. And even though the movie is called Hobbs and Shaw, the Hobbs might as well be five times bigger than the word Shaw in the title, because Jason Statham, while he's excellent in this role, he has a bit of an understated quality to him. He he considers himself to be the more suave of the two and makes several jokes at The Rock's expense about being kind of a bull in a china shop. It's clearly just, this is The Rock doing what he's going to do. And honestly, it's great for what it is, but I think calling this Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw is probably just something they had to do to appease the Fast and Furious producers, probably especially Vin Diesel, because really you could have just called this Luke Hobbs' adventures and with The Rock being in it, people didn't care what it was called. They would have saw it anyway. Right. They were very limited card scenes because that's the whole thing with the Fast and Furious. Well, series, let's no. Or have we gone away from that? Well, let's talk about the action scenes, all right? Yes. Because the reason why I go to see a movie like this is I want to sit down. I want to see some shit blow up. I want to see cars go in fast. In ways that we've never seen before. In ways that we've never seen before. And I was saying this when we were discussing prior to. I felt like this movie was about. 60% action, 50% action. I needed that to be all the way up to about 98. Yeah, they need to bring it up to like an 80, 90, I think. Starting off the bat, we see Hattie Shaw and her heist of a 
some sort of truck to get this weird virus that we don't really know why it's a virus or what it does. But anyway, they start with the heist of the virus. That was only a five-minute scene, not very long. And then there was a whole lot of exposition for probably 30 to 40 minutes. Yeah, getting the rock to London, all of that stuff took a lot of time. There was a little bit of action in the split screen with the rock and Jason Statham kind of going on their jobs and taking out the some small tier bad guy. But yeah, it was, it was very much, Hey, here's like a bunch of stuff to kind of get you going, get your blood flowing. And then 20 minutes of buildup. And with a movie like this, okay, you're in the fast and furious franchise. Each movie has one upped the last. So, you know, there, there's that scene where Vin Diesel jumps out of a car and catches Michelle Rodriguez over an overpass. And then they're driving on ice and then there's a submarine and they're driving through skyscrapers. You expect the set piece to be bigger and bigger than the last movie. However, this movie, what was the biggest set piece? Maybe the big semi driving out of the Russian uh, factory. Yeah. No, it was definitely the movie when they're in Samoa where all the cars are attached. Which okay, yeah, it's definitely this yeah. does not exist in yeah. the Fast and Furious movies. Let's just set we're, that we're down throwing now. it out the window. Yeah. Not a thing. So yeah, they like I said, they ended up in Samoa for the the final set piece. The Rock had so kind of goes back to the themes of family that resonates throughout this movie and the Fast and the Furious because ultimately this is a tale of reconciliation between Deckard Shaw and his sister Hattie, and then The Rock, and then his erstwhile brother who we again have never heard about um that lives back in Samoa his whole family does and you find out that he hadn't been back in over 25 years they don't tell you the reason until the end uh which is that the rock's father was a crook and you know roped his sons into being his henchmen and his and the rock turned his dad in and that because of that caused friction in the family and he'd left and hadn't come back um so the whole reason that they go to Samoa is because the rock believes his brother is like a great mechanic and can fix this device that is again MacGuffin to the to the core um that gets broken when they escape the Russian facility. Keep in mind this is a device that was designed by, as the scientist says, a three-time Nobel Prize winner. Yes. So it's obviously some high-end technology, but because the Rock's brother works in a chop shop, of course he knows yes. how to fix it. I think it. being a scientist in Nobel Prize winning engineer is definitely the same thing as being a mechanic that works yeah. on custom cars. <laughs> Let's just get that. You have to believe. This is the world that we're in. That's the movie. You have to believe. You have to believe. And I think that's kind of the mantra of these films, to be honest. You have to believe, otherwise you won't enjoy it. Um, So yeah, they go to Samoa. The Rock's brother gets recruited to fix this device that they need to remove the virus. And you have your obligatory 10 minutes of strife and The Rock apologizing to his brother and them making up. Um, So they set up this whole final sequence where they lure... Uh, Brixton, Idris Elba's character, and the rest of his cronies to Samoa. And because they have technology that they have a kind of electronic signature that use, that um, makes their guns work, somehow they're able to steal one of those signatures and reverse engineer the waves. None of it's explained. Doesn't There's matter. Some, some sort of low-frequency technology. Let's just pretend it's real. And they reverse engineer it to disable all the guns for a six-minute period. So that's kind of their window. And The Rock recruits his cousins, his brothers, all the guys on the island. They kind of go old school and have these really cool uh, old Samoan war weapons. I thought it was actually a really, really fun moment and like just a really great depiction of a culture that doesn't get a ton of um, you know, attention in Hollywood, typically. So they have this big fight scene where it's like combat hand to hand. So it leads to this final set piece uh, where all of the custom cars that the rocks brother design somehow all have this special hook 
equi- like that they can attach to the front or the back of any other car seamlessly seamlessly you just throw a hook and it just c- connects to the chassis of each vehicle and then they create this uh vehicle sentai pad if you will <laughs> of cars that is then the last the last leg is the rock uh holding onto a metal chain that is attached to the helicopter that Idris Elba is trying to escape on and none of it makes any sense but it doesn't matter cuz it's great and i think that's going to be that memorable set piece that people kind of walk away with like the crazy cars hanging off the cliffs you know beautiful shots overlooking the water and at one point, The Rock himself is holding that chain. Only for a few seconds, but he is holding down a helicopter. Yes. But I, with- guess, but I guess that's my biggest problem with this movie, right? Because I want to see The Rock jump off of a car and punch the helicopter out of the sky, you know? Let's crank this up to 11 a little bit more. How much more 11 did this need to be for you? <laughs> it felt like an 8. I don't know. I think, I think it was at 11. I feel like... If we're going to go into the world of metaphors, that helicopter was this movie and The Rock was trying to hold it down. It's just, it just was so, it was all over the place and I loved it. Yeah. And I think one point to that is that they talk a lot about like saving the world in this movie as well as some of the previous Fast and Furious movies. So I think it does make sense that they actually see some of the world because remember, this is a franchise that started in downtown Los Angeles as the setting. So it makes sense that these are international heroes like they go all over the globe they go from london to moscow to samoa which again they had 72 hours logistically i don't think those flights happen i don't think you can even fly between those three locations in 72 hours let alone do all the destruction that they do on top of it and no jet lag no jet lag (laughs) (laughs) i'm recovering from the trip i took two weeks ago (laughs) they change clothes at least three times every scene for reasons uh, the Rock oh, has a wardrobe change. We have metal to talk scene. about this. Yes. This is incredible. Yes, we do. Okay, give it to us, Clay. So, again, they have this big fight with no guns, and after the the power, the like the. the well, tri- you have to talk about what the Rock is wearing during the fight. All right, let me paint the picture for you. So, you have the Rock wearing a um, what I'm assuming a traditional kind of Samoan war garb. It looks like a wrap around his waist with no shirt. Got to show off the tattoos. Show off that that baby oil. You're looking good. And then at one point, he has to run off. So he's running and mid-stride is stripping the wrap from his waist. He pulls a t-shirt out of some location. <laughs> yeah, I don't point. know. Where was the t-shirt? The Throws secret it pocket. on over his head, runs to the car Jason Satham's in. None of it, it logistically, no. It, but I yes, in actuality, yes. That's what I wanted. Well, okay. So I have a couple questions surrounding this. One, where was the shirt? Where did he pull it out of? Use your imagination. Was he always planning to just have a wardrobe change? I mean, apparently, because he had the clothes ready to go. Three, (laughs) it really looked like he was wearing just this uh, Samoan garb, like... I don't want to cl- call yeah, it a loincloth, it but it was... It didn't seem like he was wearing any sarong. pants. Yeah. And then he ended up wearing pants it, at Was he wearing point. pants the whole time? Underneath the, the sarong wrap? I could have sworn I saw a baby oiled up leg. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he was, because his ankles were definitely showing. Hmm. This yeah. leads to another one of my big questions about how did this happen. So they're preparing for when, you know, whoever... Gosh, what is this agency that the bad guys were? Who cares? It doesn't Et- matter. Etienne. Etienne. Okay, Etienne. Not so, a water brand. <laughs> <laughs> so they're waiting for Etienne to show up. But when they come here with the plane that attaches to the truck, 
were they preparing for a helicopter to try and drag him off a cliff? It made no sense because so the way that they were anticipating the bad guys coming, they they knew they were going to try to swarm them. So their whole plan was we are going to create a, a small radius where they engulfed it in flames. And then once the, um, the near field technology was like disabled, that way they couldn't use their guns and they would kind of keep them in that circle and they'd have to fight them by hand. So, that's all happening. And then the bad guys are just like, forget this. We're just going to use a helicopter and fly out of here, which again, totally makes sense. But then how could they possibly have known that? None of why what? didn't the helicopter just blow them up? Great the question. And weren't all of those people driving those cars in mid fight just a few minutes earlier? Yes. Like we saw the rock run off. Sure. But then, you know, Jason Susan's already in the car. He joins him. Fine. There, that makes a little bit of sense. But when did the rest of them have time to have a wardrobe change themselves, go get the cars and drive and meet them in time and know that this was happening? It just, it's unclear. Uh, but movie magic. You just got to let movie it. Movie magic. Sometimes you got to let it roll off your back and say, you know what? Sure. Things I did like about this movie. The whole, like, black Superman, Idris Elba, his powers, I guess, when they showed it from his perspective and it was in slow-mo and he could counter all of the Rock and Jason Statham's fight moves, I thought that was pretty cool. That was actually really cool. Everything with Idris was great. I mean, that's why I'm not convinced he's really dead, his character's dead, because they have to bring him back. They have to. I love Idris Elba. He did such a great job. But actually, that's a great transition to the final piece of this movie is when... Hobbs and Shaw, who are fighting the entire time, they cannot get along. The world is at stake. You know, Shaw's sister is going to die. All these people are going to get murdered. And they finally learn to work together. And it's such a, yeah. such a cheesy, corny, amazing moment in the film. And for those of you who haven't seen this film, no, this isn't a we all come as an audience to understand that they need to work as a team in order to win. <laughs> they tell us they need to work as a team in order to win. With like a Shock. little light bulb moment where they look at each other and goes, we need to work together. If we work as a team, we can bring him down. I was surprised a physical light bulb didn't appear over <laughs> their heads. This is the kind of film that this could have been, honestly. Yeah. Because it's insane. So basically, Adrice's character is so powerful because, again, he's part cyborg. So he's been engineered to be faster, stronger. So what happens that every time they run into him, they all they both try to fight him and they can't. So they realize that if you one of you distracts him, the other can uh, you know land a punch. And it's just insane to me that this is a lesson that they learned at this stage in the film, considering that The Rock is a father and has a child. And you would have thought had taught her at some point in her nine year life that you need to work with other people to get things done. Not to mention, though I self-admit am not a um, lore expert of the Fast and Furious movies, but the entire theme of the movies is family and coming together and teamwork. And you would think that they would remember that from the last movies they were in, that they need to work as a team You're and so be a family. right, Will, because literally I think they say the word family about 37,000 times across the eight Fast and Furious movies. So just by, I don't know, sublimation, you think it would have just right. sunk in. But no, it took several years of a grown man's life and being beaten up by a black cyborg to learn that working together with someone is probably better than working alone. And family was a theme in this movie too. I mean, they're each Hobbs and Shaw are both trying to reconnect with their family. So it's, it's very top of mind to them. 
And yet they can't put aside their differences until they're mid-fight, losing horribly. And they're like, oh. And again, that goes back to the script here where... I was going to say, there, there was no script. There were moments where they told, not showed. Told and not showed. Yeah, it told was... Told and not showed. It is... The I got my words for a second. Yeah, it's the epitome of basic storytelling, filmmaking, that especially in a visual medium like film, to uh, to just show things. You don't need to over-explain every detail. And again, what should have been subtext was text in this film. But you know what? It's it's par for the course, I think, of what you'd expect. But I almost feel, wish they'd gone a little bit harder. In, I feel like it wasn't bonkers enough in that in that um in that way to really have just sold it. Like the action was great, but I feel like the script was so bad it could have been worse. Does that make sense? Okay, so so bad it could have been worse. Like it wasn't bad enough for well, the no, type I've, of film that it was. Like you don't think it was bad enough that it was on purpose? It's like they tried to write a good movie. But I think it was just. I think it was just to? afterthought. Like it, it, it honestly felt like the script was secondary to everything else. Which again, with action movies, I totally get. But it's either make the motivations grounded in realism or make it off the wall bonkers. And I think they landed somewhere in the middle. Well, see, that's my problem with it because I feel like with movies with really bad scripts, you know, there's a breaking point where it's so bad it becomes funny. But this was not quite there. No. So it was like really bad and almost made you laugh, but not in a haha, it's funny how bad that was way, but in a way that was like, are they really saying You're this cringing. right now? Yeah. Like this made it through several editors. <laughs> and when this. I say cringing, I was literally cringing in the movie theater. Okay. I was keeled over. As I said, Will was watching this whole movie with his hands over his face. Just to give you guys a taste, at one point, Adris Elba's character says the words genocide, schmenocide. <laughs> oh my God, I Those forgot about that. Our words. <laughs> that was the worst one. <laughs> stated in this film by award-winning actor <laughs> Idris Elba. I mean, even the I'm Black Superman, that's not clever either. So that one, I was like, okay, you know, it's got it's got some punch to it. I can see it. The thing for me that was so over the top of the bad script. So as we mentioned earlier, they show Shaw and his sister, and they do a flashback showing a move they pulled to pull heist back in the day, which they called the Mick Jagger. And so the Mick Jagger was... I don't really know what the plan was. Essentially, it was just one of them distracted other people while they <laughs> did something else, which really isn't a plan. It's just distracting someone. Anyway, they called it the Mick Jagger. So later in the movie, it comes around, right? Because they're going to try the Mick Jagger again. And in their conversation, while The Rock and Jason Statham are being tortured, The Rock randomly says, you know what, Shaw? You're just like Mick Jagger. And he doesn't get the reference. It takes him a second to understand what he is Which talking about. Which is insane about. because it's his idea from and they childhood. they talked about it earlier in the movie. I want to say within the time frame of the movie, at most two hours previously. Oh, at most. They were talking about it while they were setting up their plan to go rescue their sister. Yeah. But aren't they in the midst of their own Mick Jagger? I thought they were the distraction. That's, it was, so are you saying it Unclear. was a Mick Jagger within a Mick Jagger? That's a, what I thought it was. A Mickception, if you will? <laughs> yes. Wow. But Guys, this movie has layers. You would think when Jason it's Statham is explaining the plan, the Mick Jagger, as soon as The Rock says Mick Jagger, he would say, oh yeah, I get what you're talking about. It took him a while. Let's unpack the role of women in this movie. There are 
three main women. There's Vanessa yeah. Kirby. Well, she they're one real main There's actress. one. <laughs> just kidding. There's just one woman, Vanessa Kirby. But then there was um, Helen Mirren and The Rock's Daughter. We had one of every generation. And then there was a group of supermodel mob women? I don't know. That, also, that kiss between the head mob woman and Jason Statham was uncomfortable. Yes. It was, once again... Out of left field. I'm almost starting to feel like they understood what they were doing because the characters in the scene yes. said, this makes me uncomfortable... Everyone in the theater vocally said, this makes me uncomfortable. Maybe it was a new kind of filmmaking where they want you to feel like you're also in the movie. Hey. It's a movie and an experience. It's definitely an experience. Yeah, it was like, if you want to like maybe put those women off to the side, yeah, there's the three kind of named characters that were kind of significant to the character motivations or to the plot. And in general, I would say the Fast and the Furious movies. Oh, and The Rock's Mom. Sorry. Yes, and The Rock's Mom. Um, And I would say in general, the Fast and the Furious movies don't always do the greatest job of uh, having equal representation. But they do do a pretty decent job because, honestly, in every film, there's at least one badass or a couple uh, female characters that are treated as equal to the men within the crew. So the first few, it's, you know, Michelle Rodriguez's character, who's... Vin Diesel's love interest and um, the sister kind of, and then they introduce um, Gal Gadot's character in the fifth film, who plays uh, she plays Giselle. Gal Gadot's in these movies, guys. Wow. Again, wow. if you have not seen the Fast and the Furious movies past five, what are you doing? And Helen Mirren's in more than just this one, right? Yes. Also, Helen Mirren was introduced in the seventh film, I believe, after uh, the Owen Shaw character was taken out by the. Fast and the Furious crew, and she specifically requested to be in these movies. Helen Mirren was like, how do I get me in these films? And she does a great job. I loved her. She can tell she's having so much fun. Yeah, but this movie, it does such a shoehorn of a romance in this movie. So unnecessary. So for, like I mentioned earlier, The Rock talks about Vanessa Kirby climbing on him like a mountain and trying to do her. And then they don't really show any sort of tension between the two of them again until randomly they kiss the night before the big fight. Also, it was like a middle school peck. It was the weirdest kiss. And almost, I I hate when romance is forced on badass female characters to make them more likable. Like, I don't think the romance was at all needed. No, if anything, Vanessa Kirby's character is probably the one that was easiest to understand her motivations. She was the most kind of relatable just as like a protagonist. And, you know, while I don't think she lacked chemistry with The Rock, it just felt unnecessary to even include any romance whatsoever. And once again, calling it a romance is a bit of a stretch. (laughs) They talked a little and they pecked. Right. Though, I will say this. And The Rock objectified her. But The Rock also was the one teaching Jason Statham about uh, women's rights on the plane because he was being overprotective brother, Jason Statham. And The Rock reminded (laughs) him, hey, it is not 1955. If your sister wanted to get with me, she can get with me because that's her choice. And ultimately, that's a feminist message. Malika, don't you agree? I have no response to that. I have been put in my place. I have stunned her into silence. I've won life. (laughs) But I don't think like the representation was anything outrageously offensive. I just think it was so unnecessary to try and put in a romance with these two characters who had no chemistry throughout the entire film. Yeah, agreed. 
All right, so let's come to how we all felt about this movie. Let's give it a rating each. I'll start. So, no, I feel like we had a little bit of a mixed tone on this film, but ultimately I, I did enjoy it. Um, and I think it hit the expectations that I had for it very closely. So I would give this film a 3.5 out of 5 black Supermans, if you will. I loved it. This movie was, to me, bonkers and all the things I wanted. I also went into it after seeing a million different trailers, so I, I kind of knew what to expect, and I did not have high expectations. And I think that's really important um, to remember, to keep your expectations low with certain franchises. And I would actually give this a four and a half out of five champagne problems. Wow, that's incredibly high rating. See, I, I came in opposite. I had high expectations because I had been reading everywhere, oh, Hobbs and Shaw, this movie's actually pretty good. You might want to go check it out. So I was saying, yeah, this is going to be something that I remember for a long time. And I will, for unfortunately <laughs> all of the wrong reasons. I'm giving it a one and a half weird Game of Thrones references out of ten. Wow. I think this might out be... Out of ten. Out of ten. <laughs> wow, we'll, we'll double the scale. He's not only changing the scale, he's literally just saying, I'm not playing by your rules. This As, might be the most disparate rating we've ever had on a film that any the three of us have seen. This movie was a showcase for The Rock, and that's what it gave us. So, you know, it delivered what it promised. I agree. I agree. It was but a vanity film. Is The Rock a good actor? That's the we'll question save that question with. for another time, this I think. This might be the question that ruins our friendship. This will break, <laughs> break us to the core. I'm and convinced. With that. And with that, we're going to wrap up for today. All right. Thanks. <laughs>